This episode is brought to you by the Christian Culture Builders Group on Facebook and MeWe. Believers in Jesus optimistically working to create great commission hubs for the propagation of the gospel, the furthering of Christ's kingdom, and the emergence of robust, fruitful Christian culture. We work through the three spheres of authority, the family, the church, and the state, and the pillars of influence in society to make it happen. Check out the Christian Culture Builders Group on Facebook or MeWe today. Welcome to the Think Podcast the show that tackles impossible questions from a biblical perspective with your host, Joel Sedeckes. And now, get ready to think. Good afternoon. Before we get started today, some quick housekeeping. Today is Giving Tuesday, and we want to invite you to partner with the Think Institute prayerfully and financially. You know, our organization, my wife and I, as you probably know, are missionaries, and our organization has no central fund for paying missionaries or uh, mission staff. And so we rely on the like-minded individuals and churches who partner with us financially and prayerfully. So if you believe in the Think Institute and the work that we are doing, you can sign up and um and partner with us very simply by going to give.crew.org slash 101-8841. We would greatly appreciate either uh, monthly partnerships or you can contribute a one-time gift. Um, but again, we greatly, greatly appreciate it. And we do rely on um, like-minded individuals and churches for our um, for our support. So now let's get into the show. Did you hear the news? PureFlix has now been bought out by Sony. And with that news, people are talking about Christian movies and entertainment. And when that happens, certain questions rise to the surface. What kind of entertainment should Christians enjoy? Why do so many Christian movies seem like cheap knockouts, knockoffs rather, of secular films? Is it possible for the church to regain the artistic excellence of bygone eras? And who is going to make it happen? Welcome to the Think Institute with Joel Sedeckes. I'm Joel Sedeckes, and today's impossible question is, what should be the Christian's approach to movies and entertainment? And to help us answer that question and more is Marcus Pittman. Marcus is the filmmaker and showrunner known for films like Babies Are Murdered Here, Babies Are Still Murdered Here, and one of my personal favorites, How to Answer the Fool. He's also the chief creative officer and co-founder of Lore.tv. And he joins me today to talk about culture, entertainment, and whether we are really ready for a new standard in Christian movies and entertainment. Marcus Pittman, welcome to the Think Institute podcast. Thank you for having me, man. Hey, it is my pleasure. I've been really looking forward to this conversation and, um, you know, just finding out more about lore and having this discussion with you because, you know, man, you're, you're starting something that is, I think, very needed. I know that you believe that it's needed. And I think that there's a lot of people who feel very like-mindedly about this. So, can you give us like a, an introduction to Lore? We're going to get in depth with it, but um, tell us about this new streaming service, and then let's expand out into a broader conversation about arts and Christian movies and entertainment. But but what's what's up with Lore? 
Yeah, so essentially we're, we're trying to create a streaming service uh, with Christian movies uh, that don't suck. <laughs> That's pretty much our tagline because I think Christian entertainment is so bad. Mm. Uh, they're, 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 it's always been that way. I, the, the easiest way to describe why lore is needed is to kind of go through the history of Christian entertainment. So if uh, I know you were at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference and that was located in Franklin, Tennessee, uh, in Nashville is, you know, the Country Music Hall of Fame. That's where country music got its start. Uh, well, what happened was country music and Christian music sort of came up together as sort of one and the same thing. And what they realized was, well, if we were going to sing about uh, bars and women and, and, and alcohol, we can't have the Christian audience uh, around for that. We need to sort of segment the two audiences. And so what they did was they essentially created the Christian music industry and moved them 30 miles south to Franklin, Tennessee. Hmm. And that's where you get your K-love and that's where you get everything else. Okay. Well, the, what disrupted that was the Christian hip hop scene and the internet. So when you had Lecrae and uh, I mean, even before that with, uh, with uh, cross movement and those sort of Christian yeah. hip -hop organizations. Love cross movement. Yeah. They, they, sort of upset that industry because everyone's calling into Caleb and they're like, Hey, can you play Lecrae? And they're like, yeah, that's not Christian music. That's not how it sounds or feels. That's right. not, that's not the genre we placed uh, Christian music in. Right. And so it created sort of like this problem. And so what Caleb did in response was they created air one, uh, the radio stations where that will, well, those that Christian music can be on air one and then a different kind of Christian music can be on uh, like Caleb and like keep the same sound, but everything about Christian music or Christian entertainment is, is, is structured and defined and placed into this uh, genre where it looks and feels and sounds the same. <laughs> right. So, you know, you're listening to Christian music by the chords they use uh, the, the type of words that they say, uh, and how it sounds, you all know that because it's been programmed to be that way for you right. um, and, and to keep uh, out of uh, the secular music industry and, and, and to kind of keep the profit separated. Hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so the same thing happened with, let's say, Passion of the Christ. Passion of the Christ got $600 million on a $30 million budget, uh, which is absolutely tremendous uh especially if you look at like a marvel film costs 250 million dollars and it brings in maybe 500 million maybe a billion worldwide uh and so then they have to split half of that with the movie theaters and so you know they walk away pretty much breaking even on the marvel mm. films so you would think as an investor you would go well i want to invest in in the 30 million dollar films that make 600 million Right, <laughs> but yeah. the reason nobody does that is because when Passion of the Christ came out, they realized that that was a huge threat, and so they decided to slander Mel Gibson and they throw and they made Mel Gibson's life complete hell, huh. uh, and so pretty much everybody was like, "Oh yeah, well maybe maybe we don't want to do the Christian film thing, <laughs> no matter how profitable it was." So that's how they sort of kept. They they sort of made an example out of Mel Gibson and was like, "Yeah, don't do that." What, was that a just an, was that ideologically driven? I mean. Profits are well, yeah, profits, right? Cash is no, king. A, yeah, you would think, uh, but you you would think that, right? But then when you had the George Floyd come thing come out uh, this year, uh, uh, 
Live PD got canceled off of A&E, and Live PD was the number one most profitable, most viewed show on all of television. Wow. <laughs> so so uh, religion always comes before profit, hmm. right? So your, your religion is always going to come before profit. The problem so, for so us, just to flesh that out then, this is a, a this is an irreligious religious ideological movement that's driving uh, yeah every everything is religious and every 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 religious uh everybody's religious right. so those decisions are always driven by some sort of uh religion uh yeah. so all business decisions are influenced by a religion you know what whether you make a cake or don't make a cake for a homosexual all those sort of things those those are all religious decisions right. you have to make to run your business chick-fil-a is a great example of religion uh, making a great company um at least it was and then yeah. you write some so those are those are the sort of things but yeah it doesn't matter i mean this is why uh someone like chris pratt who's one of the top celebrities could be canceled there'd be a call to cancel him so right. quickly no matter how much money he makes in the box office <laughs> right <It's> like... <laughs> so so it's all insanity sort of things. yeah so so my thought my thought is essentially you know going through all this stuff it's like well if you have an organization that's not afraid of being canceled and actually laughs in its face at cancel culture then you're only left with your as a film as filmmakers you're only left with your stories to compete in the marketplace mm. and so my thought is well christian stories are just inherently better stories and because christian stories are inherently better actual christian stories not contrived Christian stories that the marketplace thinks are Christian, uh, but actual, you know, like a myth. I would, I would, and when I say that, I'm presuppositional. So when I say a Christian story, I mean, uh, even pagans tell Christian stories. I, I think The Mandalorian is probably one of the best examples of a Christian story on TV. It's a father his adopted son, right? So, and everybody looks at that and they go, wow, the story is so amazing. They're so creative. But it's not, it's just that a father protecting his son. Is such a rare story, <laughs> our culture, that we're just blown away by the fact that it even exists, right? It's one of the you yeah. know, most pro-life films on television. Yeah, and so, totally. And 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 so so when I say that the Christian Christian films uh, can win in the marketplace, it's not the evangelistic cheesy altar call, pure flick sort of mm. nonsense that we've seen, but it's actual legitimate stories that are. Uh, with a Christian worldview, so not necessarily evangelistic films, but just good films. So we, I, I think Christians tell the best stories, right? And so, so if you look at the history in the Bible, uh, the Bible starts out with with a storytelling contest, right? So you oh, yeah. have you have God's story, and then you have Satan's story, and it's which one's going going to win? <laughs> and we know that God's story is going to win, uh, and and uh, but but there's all these other stories of of Satan trying to tell his story, trying to uh, interfere with the seed of the woman uh, throughout the entire canon of Scripture, and so uh, and then that story never succeeds, even though people are driven astray by those terrible stories. Right. But I think there's a reason uh, because all humans are created in the image of God. There's a reason why people can watch the Mandalorian and go, "That's amazing," and then they watch. Uh, 
a, 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 some of the newer movies where there's like these anti-heroes and they're not really good guys, but they turn out to be good guys. And you're like, well, that's just not as like, I'm, like my, like I, I'm not going to be attached to that story for right. generations. Like I am uh, even something like, uh, you know, home alone where there's a clear good versus evil. Um, and so, you know, like, so even those sort of things, like there's a, there's a, there's something you see there in those stories that there's a reason why they last for generations in their classics. And it's because mm. they're rooted within a Christian worldview. Man, that's, that's uh yeah, that's a good point. And so you're starting your own streaming service. Um, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, no. So here's, here's, here's what you, you have to solve some problems when you're starting a streaming service. The first is, uh, well, you don't have a billion dollars a month to spend on content like uh -huh. Netflix does, right? So that's number one. Uh, you don't, and 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 then the other problem is everything you see on television is from about eight people in the United States. Uh, so you have the head of Netflix, you have the head of Disney, you have the head of Viacom, CBS, the head mm -hmm. of NBC Universal, right? Main things. So, and then those decisions as to what they air, what they green light, what they spend money on are done in a boardroom with all, essentially one or two people just finally making that call. Yeah. And, and so it's not, it doesn't take a massive amount of people to make good content. Uh, <laughs> it just, because hmm. that's just not how it works. So the, the, but the problem is that those people are making decisions based on their worldview for what they believe people want to see. Is is that the case? Do they is this what they believe people want to see or again being driven by their ideology is this what they think people ought to see should see, you know, because we well, know how it's both. entertainment shapes so, your mind as well. Yeah, they know well, that. So they do, have to know. So that. do algorithms, right? And 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 mm. so so one of the, one of the things oh, is so. you know you look at, you look at like Netflix's top 10 Right? Oh, They're saying, this right. is the top 10 things on Netflix. Right. Well, that's just the top 10 things they want you to see on Netflix. Mm. That's not necessarily the, the, the number one things people are viewing and watching and, okay. and, and streaming. Uh, so, so when, when you look at the front page of Netflix, uh, those al the algorithm is being fed to you partly based on what you watch or what you have watched but also based on what Netflix wants you to watch because mm. they put money into it and, 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 and whatnot. So, so, so there's, uh, there, there's a ideolo ideological position there, which is we have to have a homosexual in every movie. Right. Um, and, 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 and that doesn't matter whether you want to see it or not. I would say that most people, uh, see that and go, Oh, they're just forcing another homosexual on, on, <laughs> On us. But yeah. we still watch it anyway because that's what we've the algorithms programmed us to watch and 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 whatnot. We noticed but, that uh, there was a Christmas movie uh, recently. We were my wife and I lo love those cheesy Christmas uh, romances, and just you know, in the background of this grand dance, this ball party that they're having, there's you know two men dancing romantically, and it had nothing to do with yeah. the story. Completely contrived, completely just inserted. We saw, and we just you know we rolled our eyes and we kept watching. <laughs> What, what else can you do? Yeah, yeah. So the problem is when we're trying to figure out, you know, how do we build a platform? The first thing is, well, we have to take the power away from a few people 
and mm. and go back to a biblical worldview of basic economics and we say well uh it's the consumers that make the decisions right not the not the creators uh so so uh, if you look let's say like ein ein rand's uh, atlas shrugged uh lots of great stuff about capitalism in there but she was wrong on the fact that the john galts are the ones that move the economy hmm. it's not john galt that moves the economy it's the consumers that move the economy what role and did john so, galt have who, who is he analogous to in today's the, world uh well john galt would be uh zuckerberg bezos ted sarandos on netflix head, head okay. netflix like those so those are the ones that make the decisions for the people okay uh so that that's sort of like ayn rand's view of capitalism a lot of the stuff she got is absolutely dead on and right about the free market and, all, and the government interfering and all that stuff the difference is the hero of atlas shrugged is not john galt it's the consumers um mm. and 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 so that's a huge difference in sort of the philosophy of capitalism from a biblical framework uh whereas capitalism exists to serve people um whereas ayn rand's is capitalism exists to serve uh the billionaires right so okay. those are the um so uh what we need to do is figure out from a biblical economic standpoint how to how to fix that problem and so our solution is essentially well let's just let the people decide what content they want to make and have a giant storytelling contest on a website where people can donate money to the movies that they want to see and so so that yeah. immediately takes the the content decisions away from us and then it it allows the people to uh be able to create that sort of content and so that's sort of the plan and um we're we're going to have a massive uh streaming contest as you can see it's family funded entertainment so the idea is just to have uh we're gonna have uh, a bunch of creators that are already making content for us now and they're going to uh put their content up there and and you know may the best story win wow so what's been something that you didn't expect when you entered into this process you know something that maybe caught you off guard or you know something that hit you out of the blue was there anything like that you know uh, yeah the, the biggest objection was from the uh, from investors the biggest objection was well how are you going to guarantee that the creators that come on board are good <laughs> <laughs> and so the which is a great question yeah um, yeah right so so the one thing that shocked us is over the past few weeks how many phone calls we've had with incredibly high level uh, uh creatives in hollywood at every single level of development, um, every single level. And so, so really? I, I mean, yeah, you have just the, from camera people to directors, to uh, animators, to, I mean, everybody. And so, so that's sort of been the thing that's really shocked us. And, and so they're all in this, they're all, every one of them's in this catch 22 position. It's, I can either stay here and, and, and see that uh, I don't have long. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like they're not going to let me be right. here very long and even the fact that I've been here is already probably too long as it is so I can sit down and be quiet and just do my job at their current companies at their current companies uh and and of course they don't have any creative freedom but they've never really had it anyway that's just not how those organizations work uh but, or they could go to let's say you know Pureflix 
uh, or you know, uh, I guess it's a firm now, a firm entertainment. Uh, so right. so they could go there, and so they're sort of stuck in this. Well, I can be a slave to uh, Egypt, or I can be a slave to uh, this sort of evangelical, sort of weird fundamentalist sort of view of filmmaking hmm. uh, that that is forcing me to make films in line with, you know, what Christian music is, right? Same thing. Right. So right, right. Trying, to, trying to keep uh, the lines clearly drawn. And so what, what, what lore hopes to do is to create uh, not an alternative, but a true competitor to the places that they're working now. That way, if that happens and when that happens, there's not going to be, uh, you can't have cancel culture. If there's somewhere else you can go to, that's better. Yeah. <laughs> right. So if, if, if the Christians are like, well, we're going to go to lore and they're really talented, there's suddenly going to be uh, a, 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 a fight that happens with within uh, Hollywood. That's like, well, do we let them go or do mm. we try and keep them? And if we try to keep them, what does that mean? Well, if, they, if we try to keep them, it probably means we're going to have to create content that they want to make. Right. Oh, and yeah. to see. So, so it's a, it's a, it's, it's a complete disruption of the entire industry. And we believe that, uh, if a Christian artist should be able to love God and make what they want and like the, I'd like the Augustine quote, right. Love God right. and do what you want. Detroit, right. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're saying, well, love God, make what you want. Come on, Lord, make whatever you want. Uh, you know, we were talking to a group of, uh, uh, professionals and they're like, well, if we were to come and make stuff for lore, what we do, and we're like, we don't care. You guys are professionals, make whatever you want. And that's so that's so outside wow. of Hollywood's line of thinking, where it's like, you know, the one guy in the room and he says, well, this is a script we're going to do, and and they they hire the people to make the script for him. So we're saying, well, just make your own content, right? So, so that's it's a complete disruption of the entire industry. There's a lot of freedom there. Uh, you're offering a lot of freedom. Yeah. Um, you know. I, you, you mentioned something earlier, Marcus, you talked about how, um, you know, religion comes before prophets and, you know, I'm a presuppositionalist as well. And I understand the importance of worldview thinking what for, for a Christian who wants to live out his or her biblical worldview, what should be the Christian's approach to movies and entertainment? Because so many of us, like me, I grew up in the nineties listening to I remember when I started listening to Christian radio, I knew it was hokey. I understood that. I knew that I was listening. I was in sixth grade. I knew I was listening to, you know, the, the Christian knockoff version of like the Backstreet Boys. And even that was edgy at the time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and yes, I loved cross movement, but that stuff you had to, you know, you, you didn't have as much access to that. You had to get the bootleg DVDs, but for Christians who have grown up in, the Christian ghetto and their alternative is either, um, you know, pure flicks or, uh, the one that you rail on all the time, uh, uh, the Thro game of Thrones. Yeah. W what should be our approach in judging which movies, let alone what we should be making, but what we should be taking in how, if we're not just going to cast the whole thing off and say all movies are from the devil, how do we delineate and judge what kind of content we're going to be taking in. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, one is obviously like pornography is definitely not something you should take in. Right. Uh, period. That's yeah. period. There, there's uh, there, there's sin involved in making 
pornography, like the nude scenes in Game yep. of Thrones, those sort of things. There's sit like there's people. I mean, you get you should never look at a naked person that's not your spouse, right? So so any sort of filmmaking method that requires that sort of violation of the bedroom is automatically a sin. However, there are ways to portray evil in which sin is not done uh, in order to make evil, right? So it's like the cuties thing. It's like cuties is about sexual exploitation mm. of children, but they sexually exploited children. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So so same with the Game of Thrones and all those things, right? You can say, well, well, it's actually, you know, the nudity is, is a bad part of the show. It's like, well, yeah, I get that, but they use nudity to do it. Right. right. <laughs> so the premise is not the same. But 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 when it comes to like violence and uh like it, it doesn't you don't have to really kill somebody to show a murder on TV. Right. Mm-hmm. Fake blood, there's all these sort of things. And so so uh you we can we can we can portray sin uh, 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 f- in a fake way, uh, in which in which no sin is it takes place, and and so I, I think you know we see that um, at, in the in the way in which we get the scriptures, the scriptures are very clear and vivid about sin and the wickedness of sin, uh, uh, and you know the the Bible talks about uh, all these sort of uh, things, the wickedness of man, and but in, not in a way that uh is sinful right right however uh if you were to look at the christian film industry uh the bible would be too controversial for them absolutely uh, yeah if you, yeah if you look at like ezekiel and those sort of passages that would never make it not even read in a in in, in, a, in a christian film not alone reenacted right <laughs> right so so what we want to we what we want to do is we want to say well what happens if you take all those sort of limits off and you just say make a good story, and and you know th- there's always going to be the question of well, you know should I watch uh, a, 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 an R-rated Christian film with my kids? And the answer is probably well, no, you shouldn't. Right. Uh, but but that doesn't necessarily mean no Christian can watch it. Uh, so like you yeah. know there's there's you know when you say something is family friendly, it's like well what family? What about you know an older couple without kids or a couple with uh, uh, teenagers right so those are those are all different kinds of family that you get you see this with hbo hbo has their programming but then they have sesame street and elmo they just bought licensing rights too so yeah. so they know that uh when hbo says they're a family streaming service they're not saying everything is for every member of the family right um like like christian entertainment does um and so that's sort of we we, we sort of believe that as well is there uh, a difference? The best filter. The best filter. I just want to say this: the best yeah, filter please. is the father. Amen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> when you talk about how do I filter yeah. what my kids watch, it's like, well, that's what the father is for. Right. And sometimes the father just has to watch stuff twice, once by himself and once with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Uh, <laughs> man, and I still remember. I do this for my kids. I still remember when I was a kid. You know, I was into comic books, and my dad would always, before I could get a comic book, uh, he would he would thumb through the whole thing. You know check it out, make sure that there was nothing objectionable. He didn't want his nine, 10 year old son to see. And, and then he would pass it off to me. And there would be times when you say no. And there'd be times when you said yes. And I understood, I'd be frustrated sometimes. Cause man, I want to see, you know, I want to see what happens here, but I understood, you know, that was my dad's job. And, and he was, I, I, I do the same thing for my own kids. 
This episode is brought to you by Catechids. Quick, what are you doing to disciple your kids? Catechids can help. Catechids is a little book with 100 simple questions and answers to help parents teach their young kids the essential doctrines of the Christian faith, lead them to faith in Christ Jesus, and equip them to walk in the Spirit and love God every day. I wrote Catechids for my own kids, and by now I've taken them through it three times, and they love it. They remember the answers. It's been great for their discipleship, and it's become a tool that's been blessing Christian families and churches far and wide. You can get your copy of Catechids on Amazon today, or by going to thethink.institute. Um, but Marcus, is there a difference? Now, this is kind of, kind of a side question, but, you know, in Scripture, God gives us literary depictions of things. So it'll say, uh, y- you know, you've got um, uh, Ehud who, um, uh, who stabs the king Eglon and his guts spill out and he stinks up the, the upper you know, chambers there. And then yeah. Ehud hightails it out of Dodge. Okay. It's one thing to read the story and to have the story in my mind uh-huh. playing out like a movie. Yeah. It would be another thing. And I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm asking your thoughts on this. Yeah. It would be another thing to make a film about Ehud where you see him plunge the knife in the guts spill out and he falls over dead. Now, is there, a, is there something morally is there a morally significant change that happens between reading something and the action is in my mind versus watching it played out in one case, the mind being active in another case, the mind in a sense, passively receiving. Do I, have you, have you thought about that? Is that a concern? Is that an issue or, or not really? No, I don't think, I don't think it's an issue. Uh, you know, there's a lot of value to seeing evil as it's meant to be. And if you, if you go back in the, in Bible times, uh, we're so sort of disconnected from it, but even like during the American Revolution and all these sort of things, uh, I mean, men trained to be men, yeah, right. And and so so I mean they I mean David would kill animals with his bare hands and and all these sort of, like that's way worse than <laughs> watching it, you know, right in a fictional right, totally. form. Yeah. And so, and, and, and so I think we have such a salt, like we're so soft on those sort of things. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, and then that's sort of, that sort of masculinity. Um, I don't think, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, one of the, I was talking to a guy named Colin Gunn. He did the, we, I think he was on apology of TV one time and, and he did the, uh, wait till it's free documentary on socialized healthcare. It was really good, hmm. but he was also a video game designer. So we had him on the show before he did movies. He was making his own video games, and he said that one of the one of the blessings of video games is that it trains men for war without putting them in any real danger. Okay, and so so the violent video games are actually good in that uh, it's not real, but it but it can actually it can teach. Yeah. Uh, without having to place someone, you, you know, you, you, you can, you can, um, you, you don't have to actually go in, in, into military training to at least get some sort of experience and knowledge of how war works. Right. Uh, and, and so there's, there's a benefit and a blessing to that. Uh, it also, I mean, it, uh, but all at the same time, it also creates lazy men, uh, who become obsessed with video games. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, but the same is true with, television there's people who are addicted to television right yeah, yeah so 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 there's always those sort of uh consequences but the 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 medium of communication uh is not inherently evil okay it's 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 what people do with it now that's and, that's good yeah because there used to be you know the old fundamentalist trope was you know you can't even go to the move the movies 
Right, uh, that's right. Yeah. You know, and because it was assumed that the media yeah, I itself. Think there's some, I think there's some Spurgeon quotes about going to the theater and how awful it was to do that. And yeah. th that, th those sort of things just essentially isolated ourselves from uh, the community. Uh, you know, one of the things that's important to know is that I think Doug Wilson said this is like, you can't have a culture war without a culture right. and you can't yeah. have culture without stories. Yeah. Right. So uh, we've abandoned stories and, and now we're saying we're in a culture war. It's like, no, we're not even, we're not even in a culture war. <laughs> yeah. So, so one of the things is all of all law uh, becomes law because of stories, not statistics, right. right? So if you look at even the law that God gave us in, in the Old Testament is handed down through a story, right? Moses is on the, he's on, he's at Mount Sinai, he comes down and they're worshiping a golden calf and he smashes the tablets and then he goes back and he gets more tablets and then, then we get in the narrative, we get our law. Yeah, right. So that's it's right. within the story. Now, now, the liberals understand this really well, right? That's why you, there's homosexuals on television. The next thing you know, there's homosexual marriage, right? Right. So, and that's a law, right? So, so all these sort of laws that we get uh, are based not on statistics. However, conservatives, we argue statistics. So, for example, uh, a liberal will say, "Well, imagine someone who's raped, and then they have to have an abortion, and then every time they look at this, their son's face, they see the eyes of the person that raped them, right? Yeah. And then we go." Well, that only happens at one percent of abortions. Yeah, and yeah. right, and they're like, well, it doesn't matter. They just told the story, and the story right. wins. And the story is what creates rape and incest exceptions when it comes to abortion, right? right? And so that's how we get that is all through story. So when Christians just abandon story, and we abandon entertainment, and we say well, we don't need to be a part of that, well, then we've given up any chance of having righteous laws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, that's, uh, you know, in the past, um, I was watching a talk of yours from five years ago, where you were talking about the difference between the humanist art of the Renaissance mm -hmm. and the Dutch reformed art of the Reformation. Yeah. And you can, you can see in, I think it was a Rembrandt you were pointing to, uh, and describing, you can see the story in the, the creases in the man's face that was the subject of this painting. And in the talk, you were contrasting that with the idealized version of King David that Michelangelo had created as part of the, the humanist movement. Yeah. And so there was a time in Christian history where we understood that story communicated theology. Um, Rembrandt being Dutch Reformed, you know, you made this point he was communicating look there's 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 a fallenness to man there's 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 a fallenness to the world yeah. and there's the, depravity the way they viewed man the nature of man uh was portrayed in their art so like how do we recapture that how because our stories now are really contrived to communicate a message they're not they don't have the me the message weaved into them, but the 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 message the story itself is a vehicle to get across a sort of uh, walk the aisle gospel presentation. Which I love walk the aisle gospel presentations. I I I'm fine with that. But I, the whole story shouldn't just feel like a yeah. setup so you can get to well, that moment. Well, our Christian films are rooted in a theological worldview and framework too. And so like the weakness of the church uh, in terms of how it views sin is how our films portray sin. <laughs> right. And so, so the best okay. way to describe this, uh, we, we were talking about this this week. The best way to describe this is 
uh, Christian films are grape juice when they should be wine. Oh yeah. Right. right. So we, we, we've, you know, we, we, we're afraid of, I think it was Calvin that said this, but, but, but it should be wine because wine is a powerful drink. Like that's why communion should be based on wine because it's powerful and dangerous. Wow. And that's why we should take communion. So, so when our communion is, is grape juice, well, suddenly our, our movies are grape juice too. And so right. we've taken all that sort of danger out. Wow. And so, so, so the stories that we see from PureFlix or these other sort of organizations are because uh, it's because uh, our theology is weak. And then, you know, when we, we, all, the, all the sin presented in Christian films, it's, it's usually marital related or father, yeah. fatherly related. Yeah. But it's essentially the heroes of the film uh, overcome those issues by themselves. Hmm. When, when you when you watch like even fireproof, right? So hmm. I mean obviously Christianity is obviously part of it and salvation is is part of it, but it's presented in a way that pretty much anybody can do it if you just got the, the book from Lifeway. Right. Hmm. And, and, and whereas <laughs> like a true a true Christian testimony uh, should make it so that uh the 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 sin that they're trying to overcome is so grave that it's absolute miraculous feat that they survive it wow yeah <laughs> and so and so but we don't see that so our view of salvation is is essentially works righteousness just say the prayer and everything will be okay so mm -hmm. our films are just like well this is the moment they said the prayer so everything's okay uh so there's not a lot of a lot of depth because our pulpits don't have a lot, a lot of depth. So, and and you're hoping it sounds like that your content creators at Lore are going to bring that depth. They're going to operate out of that depth. Yeah, I think they will. Yeah, I think I, I think it's pretty clear that Christians have better stories and they tell yeah. better stories. Uh, I mean, I mean, you see this. I mean, even like Lord of the Rings and C.S. Lewis and those sort of things. They're just great stories that you pass yeah. down to your children. Yeah. And so it's because of the Christian worldview that that's built. Now there's going to be there's going to be junk on lore, right? If you open up a platform, there's going to always going to be junk. But the power of a platform is not in the junk. It's in the the who the platform promotes and positions, okay. right? So so YouTube. There's a lot of great content on YouTube, but you'll never see that on the front page, <laughs> right? So, so because because the power of the platform is in who the platform features, and so so we know that there's going to be oddball, weird movies and stuff eventually, long term, not initially, yeah. but if, long term, you know, once as as the platform opens up or more. But the the other thing too is like let the pagans come and make films according to our rules. Let them sit at our table, right? If somebody, if, if, if an unbeliever comes and has dinner at your house, they have to follow your rule. Right. Right. So let them come. Let We're still going to pray before we eat. Yeah. Let them compete in the marketplace, right? They're, let them compete. Let them, let, let them see. Maybe they maybe they make a great story, uh, but, wow. but they have to do it in accordance with, with our rules. And then also if you, if you build the platform in which your consumer base it has an expectation and a pagan comes in there and just defies that expectation. It's not going to be profitable or rewarding for them. Well, right? It's like, it's like selling a hamburger at Chick-fil-A. It's just like, what yeah. are you doing? I think yeah. I'm here for that. 
But are yeah. you are you now just introducing your own Christian version of cancel culture? You know, because um, you well, know, every culture has a blasphemy law. But that that's true. That's true. Yeah. So so, so I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a good I point. I don't. I don't mind saying. I just, oh, just these are the roles. No, so you're but you're putting that yeah. out front. Whereas, yeah. Um, am, am I correct that lore got its sort of the the spark that ignited lore was babies are still murdered here being booted off of netflix is that what is that what happened it was on amazon oh yeah. amazon so we, we we were on amazon and everything was going pretty well uh we had a giant billboard up that was advertising it and everything mm -hmm. and uh i started to get these twitter messages that says hey i can't watch i can't watch uh i can't watch babies are murdered here on prime anymore and i was like why and so i went and it looked like I could still watch it, which is what was really weird. But then I, you know, opened up an incognito browser and logged and, you know, went to the thing and it said, this is no longer available. And then I went in the back end of Amazon and they're like, based on customer reviews, this is not acceptable. And I'm like, what wow. are you talking about? The, the, it had like 500 or like 300 five-star reviews and, uh, and, and everything was positive about it. But what happened was, is that Amazon tagged keywords uh, like pro-life and abortion and those sort of things from the reviews. And they were able to determine that it wasn't something that Amazon wanted to stream. So that was sort of like the, the thing, but I was like, well, Christians can't really make movies on YouTube and they put a movie out on YouTube. They're going to be demonetized there. So all these, right. and then Netflix is only going to buy a, a film from you if you have, you know, established agent and you meet their worldview guidelines. So there wasn't really a lot of options. And then pure flicks, uh, either didn't want to pay any money for films, hmm. uh, or if they did take your film, they would make you do several edits and stuff like that. That just really? wasn't really worth <laughs> making those sort of things. And so, so I was just like, well, there has to be a better option. And that's sort of how, how lore came about. Uh, uh, so that, yeah, so it did start, it did start with that. Uh, so it's just like, you know, look, if you guys are going to cancel me, then I'll just build something better. Yeah. So logistically, you've kind of alluded to it, but specifically, how is it going to work? Is is it is it going to be like a, a competition between different content creators? Or, you know, you said, let the best story win. How how will that process of elimination or, or um, promotion, how is that going to work on Lord? Yeah, we're keeping those details on the side right now. Oh. Okay. Uh, so, so, uh, but well, I will say that that we're creating a completely unique way of making films. Okay. Uh, so it's a it's a way in which no one's done it before, and so the hope is that one, it's not like I said, it's a true competitor and a disruptor, uh, a disruptor um, in the same way I think the printing press was, uh, in terms of how it disrupted the entire in, in industry, and so. Yeah. So, so that's sort of a plan because there's just too much time. I mean, like if you look at Parler or Gab, they're just conservative bubbles where people just are mad at Facebook and then they just go there and complain about how terrible Facebook is. Yeah. But it's not, it's not a real competitor. I don't think Parler is going to be something and I could be wrong, but I don't think Parler is going to be something that competes with something like Facebook. Hmm. Uh, because I think it's mainly just a clone, right? So you just have these clones. Yeah, it's it's Twitter for people, you know, for conservatives yeah. or people who 
you know, are, yeah. don't want to get censored basically. Yeah. So what you have to do is you have to create new technology that actually changes the way um, everybody does everything. And so, so that's sort of the plan uh, with that. And we'll keep those details on, on the low for our investors. Right now. Oh yeah. Okay. No, that's, that's good. We don't want somebody going and taking the idea before lore launches. And um, we've got some questions coming in from viewers, Marcus. Okay. Um, but really quick, if you could tell me one, maybe some logistical details, like, like when is your target date for launching the service? How much is it going to cost? Or maybe you can't tell me that yet. And then two, what's behind the name? Oh, okay. Well, I'll talk about the name. Uh, the name is, uh, uh, if you go, if you look at a film festival, let's say like Sundance film festival or the Toronto film festival, uh, you'll, you'll see that the movies that are featured there receive what's, what are laurels. laurels. Uh, and it's like an Ivy Ivy branch. And it says official selection of Sundance film festival. And you'll see the sure. Ivy. So those are uh, film festival awards. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. essentially, uh, lore comes from the prefix laurels. Okay. Uh, or my wife's name is Laura, right? So it's all from that sort of gift award sort of thing. So when you're making a platform that's about people uh, giving and, and donating to see a film, they're giving lore, lore, they're giving lore. So they're giving those sort of things. So that's where that can, that's, and then, but also it comes from the same sort of line where you get uh, a history of the past. It was lore, right? Lore. Like the yeah. L-O-R-E in that sense, but it's all from that same prefix of that term. And then it's just spelled differently because that's how you get a four letter domain on the internet nowadays. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, yeah. So I, I thought, um, you know, lore, I mean, that, that kind of made sense. Um, you're telling stories that made sense. I didn't, I didn't guess the laurels aspect of it. And I wasn't sure if it was lure, like you're luring people away from, uh, Netflix and Amazon. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. it's lore, but, but okay. whatever, whatever. It's all, it's all the same route. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, very cool. So, um, so can you tell us any information on uh, when the target date is for it to launch? Well, right now we're working with content creators and uh, we're, we're securing some projects, uh, but we do plan to launch uh, relatively soon, uh, at least to some degree uh, in that uh, people will be able to help build the platform. Okay. Uh, so so, so that, that's going to happen probably sooner rather than later. And with that, we'll, 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 will become uh, as things transition and grow. You know, when you're when you're when you're putting together a website, it's like uh, making a fish, but you start with sushi, right? So you're you're, okay. you're building it piece at a piece at a time, huh. and then eventually it becomes the thing that you want it to. Uh, and so so that's sort of how it'll work and how it'll function and the plan to get it out there. And uh, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be really great. I'm excited to get see people <laughs> get. Uh, join very cool it from the very uh, small glimpses that you've given in descriptions it reminds me a little bit of the old website channel 101 and i don't know if i'm misreading oh that's where the rick and morty stuff came from right is well i know that's where like the lonely island guys came from um yeah yeah i don't I know if about that. that could be that could be where rick and morty came from i'm not i'm not up on rick and morty i only know it from you know yeah I, I, I think i think that all came from because there's a lot of animated stuff. Lonely Island guys came from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, very cool. All right. So we do have some questions that have come in, and um, 
and some comments. Um, now this, this viewer on YouTube named Dr. Strange has been, I mean, I think he's, uh, he's probably, he's probably got like 30 comments on here, but, um, here's, I asked him in the comments as we were talking, I said, do you have like one question that you want Marcus to answer? And uh, basically from what he's shared here, he said he's Muslim. And his question is, and I, don't, I don't know if you can answer this. I don't know if I could. Um, are there any good movies about textual criticism? What do you know about that, Marcus? Anything? I have no idea, man. That's not my way. <laughs> yeah. That's my, I, 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 I have no idea. Uh, I I would just refer people to James White. That's that's what I would say. <laughs> so yeah, I, I guess uh, Alpha and Omega Ministries is probably where. I mean, there's not movies, but right, right. So there you go, Doctor Strange. Go onto YouTube. Go check out James White's debates. He's actually debated a number of Muslim apologists, and several of those debates do have to do with uh, textual comparisons between the Bible and the Quran. So happy hunting, and um, hopefully that answers your question. I, I'm not aware of any movies like that there. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, Brian Zebarth has just a comment. He says that the new Lord of the Rings is supposed to have nudity. This is sad and will draw many to watch it. Man, I hope that's not true. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, that, no, they have said that. So a lot of the casting calls are requesting uh, that the actors and actresses be comfortable with on-screen nudity. So that's sort of the... They got a lot of fallout about that, though. I'm wondering... Uh, how committed they are to that. That'll be interesting to see. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, it's like nobody wants to see Hobbit sex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like, no, nobody wants to see that. And so that's really weird, man. It's uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see because because a lot, of, you know, this is this is the thing. Uh, and, and he says in this comment, it'll draw many to watch it. But I don't think that's the case. Because what we've seen right. is the phrase in Hollywood that's been uh, get woke, go broke. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of truth to that because what's happening is you have these people that are pushing these sort of agendas. Uh, and I don't think they believe uh, that people don't really want to see it. Uh, I think they think everybody wants to see this because you have like the homosexual lobbies, the trans lobbies that are very loud and outspoken about this thing. Mm -hmm. And so they imagine that this is just the way the culture is. But if you look at, let's say Sony, uh, which is by the way, the same Sony that bought PureFlix, yeah. uh, the, the PlayStation uh, game, the last of us two had a major homosexual trans plot point in it. And, and people really hated it. Mm. Uh, and, and these are gamers that, aren't Christians uh, and they don't really care if you're a homosexual or trans or not, uh, but they don't like the story to sacrifice for agendas because uh, right. video gamers are very passionate about story driven games. And right. so when they see that, they're just like, this is ridiculous. And, and the game flopped. Like, I mean, it had a lot of sales from the first day, but after that it immediately just dropped and well, it has like a 1.6 review. <laughs> really? You know? So I think it's a big risk for Amazon to put the, uh, the naked hobbits in their show uh, because I think that'll backfire on really the core. I mean, you know, these people who are obsessed with Lord of the Rings, they like Lord of the Rings because it's uh, a PG 13, right? right? Like that, 
you know, and you start making it like adult and like not true to the the way the author intended it. Th that's not going to go well um, right. for you. But uh, I don't think it, I think it'll actually backfire if they do it. And so I, I mean, I, I know that it could be that in Hollywood, uh, comfortable with nudity is just a generic clause in all casting calls now. Mm. Uh, but it doesn't mean that they're going to do it. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, it'll be interesting to see that. So yeah, yeah, very interesting. Uh, hopefully, if they are going that direction, they can turn the ship around before it's too late. Um, yeah. I think. I think you're right. Um, now, Doctor Strange asked another question again. Our our Muslim YouTube uh, friend. He says, I, "I'd like to kind of parlay this out into a, a broader question." But he says, "Would you ever make a movie about Ezekiel twenty three twenty? Now, in that verse, um, God is calling out Israel for. So, I, I think I want to preface this a little bit because Doctor Strange. I don't know if uh, if this is a snarky point or or a good faith question, but in that in that it could could be maybe a little bit of both. But in that passage, you have this graphic detail of of. Um, let's see, my kids are probably going to listen to this, and we haven't read through Ezekiel with them yet. So, uh, <laughs> although we've read through the life of David, and there's plenty yeah, of yeah. stuff there, but um, it's God describing, let's say, private parts and mm -hmm. intercourse in graphic detail. And it's a mm -hmm. way, it has a way of shocking you because he's metaphorically describing the spiritual adultery of Israel. And so yeah. the passage is not really about lewd intercourse. Um, it's, it's about something that's actually even far worse, which is spiritual idolatry, which Israel. So um, that, that being said, Marcus, maybe we can parlay this into a different question and feel free to answer the question as it is too. But are there some parts of the Bible that are off limits to Christian filmmakers, visual content creators? Well, I don't think any part of the Bible is <clears throat> off limits. Uh, I mean, we could get into a two CV discussion and, and the second sure. commandment violation, and yeah. I'd probably lean more towards that uh, in in terms of being against images of Jesus uh, than not. Uh, but I would say that in, even in that area, uh, in those areas where it's like, well, I can't portray uh, visually everything with the Song of Solomon. Uh, I think it can be portrayed in a way that you get the point and don't cause people to sin uh, in making it and in watching it. Right. So so those are the two things that that, you know, what I what I see that when I see things like that, people ask, well, what about Ezekiel 2320 as a as a film or something like that? To me, that's that's a creative challenge in the same way like uh, Ben-Hur was uh, pretty uh, open about the crucifixion, but they never showed who Jesus was in it. Right. So it's sort of like, how can you make a, like, how can you make a Passion of the Christ film and never do an image of Jesus? Well, you hmm. just make it, you know, you do a Passion of the Christ just on like the thief on the cross or something. Right. Right. And so, and so you never have to see Jesus, uh, but you can be sort of around it and, 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 and get sort of, so there's like, to me that like those creative challenges uh, are what will make a better story because hmm. it forces people to uh, think outside the box and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, no, that that's cool. Uh, just a quick comment from Curtis Cutler. Based on our conversation earlier, <laughs> he says, I wish we used wine for communion. Oh, me so. too. <laughs> but we use wine. I'm saying for Curtis. I, I yeah. wish, wish he yeah. had a wine for communion. 
I we my wife and I just started attending a church where they do they have the option of grape juice or wine and uh you know we we take the wine and it's man it's uh it feels like we're living on the edge a little bit because yeah, I remember I remember Apologia Church we they came out of a, a drug cl- a rehab right. facility so there was the longest time where they did they only had grape juice hmm. and then uh they decided well we need to have wine so they had like two communion tables one with wine one with grape juice and then uh the first sunday uh nobody went to the grape juice table and so they just stopped having grape juice (laughs) wow (laughs) so i mean that's part of the the beautiful testimony is that and 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 proper alcohol addiction is rooted in the gospel should be this is off topic but it it should be uh you need to repent of your sin in such a way you can come to the table and enjoy wine, right? Mm. Not, uh, you know, because you struggle with sexual addiction, you should never be married. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So it's like, yeah, no, good point. you need to, fi- you need to figure it out in a way that, uh, you can be redeemed and, and mm. enjoy the blessings that God gave you rightfully. So, yeah. And getting back to what you said before that redemption is not going to come from yourself and buying the Lifeway book. That's got to come from right. Christ or, or an AA step. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Amen. Um, all right. So we did get some clarification. Um, Dr. Strange is going hard here in the comments. He says, <laughs> remember, we were trying to figure out if his comment was snarky or in good faith. Yeah, it was snarky. He says it was snarky. Nah, so, well, that was a good question. I'm sure other people have that same question anyway. Yeah, so. <laughs> for sure. Um, now, uh, we did get a, we did, uh, Nick, uh, Nick Smelker didn't like your allusion to Hobbit. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, intercourse there. Uh, didn't need that mental image. Nick, I'm with you. Um, we're going to have to screen our guests a little better here before they are. <laughs> um, but but listen, that's the, the, nobody wants to see that, and nobody wants to see nudity associated with Lord of the Rings. Guys, get yeah, your, nobody wants to see it. That's exactly right. Um, uh, Brian Zebarth does ask, he says, will Lore be digital only or on DVDs put in kiosks? sold in stores uh that, as of now it's only it's only digital will i be able to watch it on my uh like my fire stick like the way i can watch I hope uh, so. Netflix? until they cancel us right well <laughs> y- you know i wanted to ask you about that as well marcus how are you guys going to keep yourself from getting canceled i mean the layers of cancellation you're 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 peeling back some of those layers making yeah, yeah. yourself more uncancelable but yeah do we just need to create our own fire stick? I mean, how do, how do we get around all these things? Yeah, all the all those options are are on the table. Um, but I I think there's uh, pretty significant ways in which it is possible to create your own technology uh, without being limited to uh, all the other infrastructures that's already been built. Mm. It is easier to use infrastructure that's already out there. It's it's in some ways cheaper. Uh, but in other ways, it's actually more expensive to use the stuff that's already out there. Uh, so, so it's just a matter of, 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 of just being uh, long-term enough in your vision to know that this is where things are going. And so part of that is all the more reason, like the risk of being canceled uh, from a technology infrastructure standpoint is all the more reason to do it uh, be- because you have to build the companies now that can weather those storms right. uh, because if we don't do it, uh, then once it gets worse than it is now, it's going to be even harder. 
Right. And so, but you know, but but I I look at this too as you know we look at like let's say a potential Biden administration that's coming, and then uh, we we don't know what's going to come uh, from that, especially in terms of uh, giving more power to these technology companies. Uh, right. But I but I look at that as saying, well, during World War II, Walt Disney shut down their studios and they just made government propaganda films, right? Mm-hmm. But then when World War II was over, it uh, Disney was positioned to be able to do whatever he wanted. And so yeah. when we look at like our nation and it's burning to the ground, when it's done burning, the land will still be there. Hmm. And so, and so it, if we look and see that if everything is going pretty terribly uh, and we don't do anything and we just sit and wait, then once everything is over, we're not going to have anything to wow. uh, be the leaders of whatever that new culture is. You know? wow. so, so I just know that like if where I live, they were to succeed from the United States and be their own country, I would want to be in a position then that I could have a su- successful business right away. Yeah. Then instead of having to go, oh, finally it's over, and then build something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. No, that's this is the time to build stuff when everything's falling apart around you. Yeah, uh, because because I mean th- this happens with uh, you know Budweiser during Prohibition. They already had the factories and stuff in place, uh, so they were able to manufacture and make money based off of what they had during the rough times. Hmm. But then once prohibition was lifted, they they just turned on the switch and they were ready to go uh, with with their, their their Budweiser and stuff. So yeah, well that's uh, let me just give a quick shout out here to our Facebook and MeWe group, um, Christian Culture Builders, because uh, that's a hub that we're trying to create for like uh, for people who think the same way about building culture and both um, as the as one of the um, New St Andrews College adds talks about uh you know either either um saving civilization or rebuilding it from the ashes you know that's really uh that's kind of what that facebook group is is aimed around and furthering the kingdom of jesus christ um we've got we've got some more chatter in the uh the comments on youtube right now people are getting into whether or not orcs uh, how orcs create babies and things like that (laughs) so (laughs) uh worth worth looking at probably nothing worth putting on the screen right now um (laughs) but i think um nate werner did have a question let me see if i can find it oh oh okay uh i'll just put this up this is just a fun one we'll probably be done after this but nate werner watching on youtube he says he has a little suggestion for you make a book of revelation movie full charismatic and i i think maybe by charismatic he might mean like dispensational i'm assuming um, okay. Any, any, or maybe, maybe he does mean charismatic. I don't know what the charismatic interpretation is if it's not dispensational, but what, I, uh, I want to see the 80, 70 version of revelation. Hey, I want to see that movie made. You mean like a, like a, a partial preterist movie? Yeah. Like, like Rome taking over Jerusalem and then Rome being surrounded and all that stuff. Yeah. I, so. I would totally love that. Yeah. And so, and you know what else? Opportunities um, are endless. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would be kind of a, you know what, Marcus, you could, you could make that movie. And that sounds like a total disaster movie, like a total sad movie. But then there could be something at the end, like in Apocalypto, Mel Gibson's movie, where the civilization is about to be destroyed, right? Because spoiler yeah. alert, 
at the end, the conquistadors are coming and the, um, the, the Mayan or Aztec or was it Inca civilization is about to be destroyed. Um, you've got like this allusion to what's going to happen next. You could do the, the 70 AD version of revelation. And at the end, there could be some glimmer of, okay, but from the ashes of this Christian civilization is going to rise or the church is going to rise from this. You know what I mean? Like that, there's something there, I think. That's a lot, man. I think there's so many. Every time there's a Bible story, it's only about Jesus. There, there's so many other options that. Have well, never it's all about Jesus. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. You know. You know what I mean. Like <laughs> I specifically, do, I do. Yeah. specific stories about Jesus, and so so there's so many options uh, that you know. That's that's why it's it'll be good to have a platform that's open up. You know, yeah. to let anybody make whatever they want. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Okay. Okay. Um, one, one more question from uh, Doctor Strange. Um, well, okay. You know what? This actually points up some some theological considerations for you, Mark. It says someone who's going to be curating content and and platforming content. Um, he uh, he says this. Does Marcus know that Gandalf and Sauron and others are demigods in the Tolkien world? How would you be okay with LOTR, Lord of the Rings, as a Christian? What and, does he mean by demigods? Well, someone someone pointed out, Nate Werner in the comments pointed out that they're not demigods. I think if I could interpret Dr. Strange here, remember he's writing from a Muslim perspective. And yeah. Muslims accuse Christians of worshiping the creator, creation, not the creator. They don't believe Jesus is God, which he is, by the way, Dr. Strange. But <laughs> um, but they um what uh you know, what do we think about what do we think about stories that are ostensibly or arguably from the biblical worldview, but that portray things like magic or oh. witchcraft or, yeah. uh, you know, th things well, like that where well, we wouldn't. Like, yeah. It's like, well, what Nate, Nate Wilson says, the very first wizard battle is between Moses and the, and the, and the, and, and the, uh, and the, Pharaoh's assistants. Right. Yeah. 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 That's so, good. So, you know, so I, I thank God, gave us a magical world where regeneration happens every day. So yeah. I think, uh, I don't think, I don't think it's wise to stray away from magic, uh, because our, you know, God has given us that that's where all those sort of things come from is mm -hmm. from his stories and stuff like that. And then, you know, you have good magic and bad magic and, you know, so you, you look at something like Harry Potter and say, well, there's obviously a clear distinction between good and evil. And then there's yeah. sacrifice and all these sort of things. Yeah. And so I, I mean, even like Chronicles of Narnia, I mean, uh, the amount of magic in there is incredible. And, and, and so I think, but, but I think that's the world God gave us. God gave us a magical world. He, he didn't give us a, a, a completely, uh rational world yeah in, the, in that sense in the materialistic world it's not completely materialistic so yeah yeah no that that's really good and you know i like how i think it was doug wilson at one point who said um you know we tend to shy away from magic but how do you explain when, when you're telling your kids the true story of jesus turning water into wine or walking on water and I, i'm using my own examples but doug wilson points out he goes what is that? If that's not magic, what is that? You yeah, know exactly. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So we call them so miracles, it, but what's a miracle? <laughs> it's magic, right? <laughs> no, that's exactly what it is. And 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 so I I think that's the world God gave us. And I think 
knowing uh, that we live in a world where there's magic, uh, it, it makes for a better world. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's really uh, good to think about. And I know I speak for many when I'm, when I say I'm very much looking forward to lore coming out, uh, Marcus, um, how can people, if they want to follow lore, they want to, you know, subscribe to updates or, you know, generally follow your work, what would be a good next step for them? Yeah. If you go to lore.tv, you can sign up for the email list there, and then you can sign up as an investor or you can sign up as a potential subscriber. And so, uh, just pick one of the forms and sign up there. Uh, and then, uh, we'll, that we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch. Okay, great. All right, Marcus Pittman. Thank you so much for joining me, man. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, it was a real treat for me. And I know based on the comments alone, I think we sparked a lot of, um, there's, there's, there's evangelization going on right now, uh, in the comments, people are, spreading the gospel to each other, encouraging each other to repent and trust in Jesus. So that's a good day. If we can foster that kind of conversation, that's a good day for me. Yeah. Um, and our man brother, really looking forward to Lure coming out. Thank you so much for your time. And um, I'll talk to you again soon, I hope. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for joining me for the Think Institute podcast. Um, if you're new to the Think Institute, my name is Joel Sedicase, and um, I'm the proprietor around these parts. Um, I would encourage you, if you have questions that were not answered on today's episode, go ahead and shoot me an email. You can go to uh, send your email, your inquiry to thethink.institute at gmail.com. You can check out all of our back catalog of episodes by going to thethink.institute slash podcast. We've got now over like 180 episodes of the Think Institute and the Think Institute and the Think Institute podcast continue to grow. So we're very grateful for your participation. And look, if you like what you hear, please go ahead and leave us a five-star, an honest five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Um, I don't know how all the algorithms work, but I know that that helps us um, get the word out about the Think Institute podcast and, and introduce more believers and non-believers to our content. Our mission is to equip, encourage, and engage. We want to equip believers to explain, share, and defend the Christian message. That's what we're all about. We want to help you grab your piece of the Great Commission. So check us out online. Shoot me an email if you feel so inclined. And yet again, remember today is Giving Tuesday. So we're looking for like-minded individuals and churches to partner with us prayerfully and financially. And again, you can do that by going to give.crew, C-R-U.org at uh, slash 101-8841. All right. Well, I certainly hope that you heard something helpful. I know I did. And this is not goodbye. This has just been a little pit stop along the way of your spiritual journey. So until next time, I hope it made you think.